Thank you, Lord. Ready to go. I want to speak about yielding to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've had a great couple of days with uh, Shane. Shane Willard sends his, uh, his love to you all. I was with Clark Taylor at a conference, and uh, just it was interesting to see how many pastors and leaders had been facing tremendous pressures in this last year and were needing breakthroughs in their lives. I want us to look in John chapter 14 and verse uh, 16. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper or another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The world can't receive it, doesn't see him or know him, nor do you know, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, <clears throat> I will come to you. What an amazing promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit given to us. And notice what he said, he is called the spirit of Spirit of truth. Now that doesn't mean he's just into giving you Bible verses. He's talking about leading us into God's perspective. Leading us into how God sees things. So when we're committed to walk with the Holy Spirit, we're committed to let him yield us into different perspective about life. And about church. And about our traditions. And about the way we've done things. In other words, God is wanting to lead us continually into change. Change is not something we take readily or easily. But that's the work of the Holy Spirit, is to lead us individually and corporately into change. Change is good for us. And so the word that's given there for the Holy Spirit is called the comforter or the helper. Uh, the word comes from a, an original word meaning, uh, made up of two words. One, someone it means to be very close, very near to you. And the second one is... Uh, to call out or to call someone. So, in other words, when you put it together, the, the, the actual nature or name of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is the one called alongside and near you to help you, guide you, teach you, comfort you, and be your permanent friend in life. How we need to value the Holy Spirit. How we need to place high value upon Him. And so because that's His role, we can choose to either yield to the Holy Spirit, or resist him. Of course, immediately I say that, you would think, well, I wouldn't be the one resisting him, of course. I'm one of the ones who's yielding to him. So I want to just look at that and then want to talk uh, out of just, I want to give you a bigger picture of this. And I got to, if I've got the time, I just want to share simply how you can begin to cultivate yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. So we have a choice to yield to the Holy Spirit, make him welcome, honor him, and respond to what he's trying to do and make it a life journey to get to know him, or we find ourselves resisting him. How many of you know that at some point you've resisted the Holy Spirit? That's right. A few good honest ones. The rest one are resisting right now. Come on now. The reality is, any time God was prompting you to do something or change something, he didn't do it, you were resisting him. That nudge he gave you to go and say you were sorry, and you didn't. It's resisting his leadership, how to bring love and the life of the kingdom into your, your world around you. So we can, we can resist him or we can yield him. Now, all through history, God has been changing, using men to change traditions and customs and to bring new things in. He hasn't changed doing that. Now, you have a think about it. Now, when God moves to bring changes, it's not always comfortable for us. 
We tend to like old shoes. We like the old ones. They feel more comfortable. We're used to that. So God, through history, has continually moved upon men to usher in change. How many know that the church overall in the West needs massive change? So the challenge then is not knowing that it needs massive change, but actually being able to yield to the Holy Spirit and welcome and cooperate with Him in participating in those changes. I really love just the heart of Dave and Kate uh, uh, to actually hold the DNA of the church, but to be willing to look and open up every aspect for change. That's important. It's great to have leaders courageous to do that. So all through history, God has raised up people who actually were willing to change what was happening and what was accepted. Think about this, Moses. Now, for nearly 500 years, uh, through the, through the uh, leadership of Abraham and his influence, and, and Shane shared on this so wonderfully some time ago, you know, if people wanted to go to God, they went up. And we tend to still even do that today. When they close your eyes, look up, up, up as though that's where God is. Uh, when Moses came along, Moses changed the name of God. He said, no, actually, you used to know him by this, but actually, this is what his name is. And he could imagine how that would have gone down. And then he said, no, no, this is not, God is not up. God's going to live in a tent. Let's make the tent, and he'll live in it. And God actually came and dwelt in it. So if you were the followers of Abraham, you'd be still going on the mountain. God is up. But when you were in Moses' day, now God is in a tabernacle. And that's actually where the blessing was in what God was doing. So what Moses did literally was... He challenged people to let go of what had worked in its time and welcome the new thing God wanted to do, which was now current contemporary and what he was working with. And all through history, it's been the same way. David, after hundreds of years of Moses and the solemn worship, said, hey, God is doing a different. God's living in a different kind of tent, and it's only got one room instead of three rooms, and actually it's no longer silent. You have musicians, and they're 24-7, and they're singing, and they're worshiping, and they're prophesying. Isn't this great? You understand, that is a radical departure from how God did it. Same God, but doing it differently. Any idea? And then you think you go down to, to Solomon, and Solomon said, well, I know you've all loved that tent there that David had, and David was a great man, he's my dad. But actually, now God's wanting this big permanent building lined with gold. That's where God is, and everyone's going to come there. You can imagine after hundreds of that, and the Jews being concerned about the temple and having to rebuild the temple, and uh, now the temple's the center of their worship. When Jesus came in, he said, hey, guys, that was all great, but guess what? Today it's all different now. I am the temple. This is where God is. You understand that each time God moved like that, something had to be let go go. You had to let go of something. And so you had those who embraced what God was doing and those who fought to keep and conserve what had been so wonderful in its day. Church has had a history of doing that, hasn't it? Think about a Pentecost. Spirit of God is poured out. Jesus said, I'm going to, listen, I know that I've been carrying the Spirit of God, but it's convenient and it's really good for you, actually, if I go. And I said, you can't go now. You're here to change the nation. He said, no, listen, if I go, then I can send the Holy Spirit. And now, Holy Spirit will dwell in people all over the world. Now, the river of God can flow everywhere, any place. And it won't be coming down from here. It won't be in a tent with three rooms. It won't be in a tent with one room. It won't be a permanent building. And it won't be in me. It'll be in you, the Spirit of God moving. So come on board with the program. Receive the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. And let Him lead you and guide you. 
Now, we still need that same leadership and that same guiding of the Holy Ghost. One of the things I'm very aware of, which is part of why God is shifting my role, is that leadership needs to change. The styles of leadership need to change. The focus of the church needs to change. So if we want to stay in the flow of God, we cannot stay just the same. We have to welcome change. See? So we resist the Holy Spirit when we hold on to the things God wants to change. I'll say it again. We resist the Holy Spirit when we hold on to the very things God wants to change. Let's go into Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. But they feel so good. But God used that. But God blessed us. But if God wants to change it, he's up to him. He can change it if he likes. Just whether we'll flow with him and get on the page, isn't it? So let's have a look. And so we read down in, uh, in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And uh, Stephen is having a great speech. And uh, this is what he says to the religious uh, of the day, the leaders of the day. You stiff-necked, uncircumcised, and hardened ears, you always are resisting the Holy Ghost. You've done it through history, and right here and now, you're doing it again. You are totally consistent that whatever God wanted to do, you are resisting and fighting it. That's what he had to say about the religious leaders of his day. See, he'd been explaining, and what he'd been doing, if you read through Stephen's speech, he had been explaining how progressively God kept moving, and he kept revealing new things, and he kept changing how he did things. Same God, just moving differently. Same God, changing what he was using. Same God, different ways he's doing things. Just like the culture is changing. I mean, I looked, I saw those white boots. I haven't seen white boots for a long time. Now, if I was dressed up like I was when I got saved, well, I would be looking a lot. Actually, the shirt's not a lot different. But, <laughs> but I'd have had these big, thick platform soles and big flared pants and paisley shirts. That's what I wore back then. And you know what? It was cutting edge. You wear it now, they say, what the heck, you've come out of the 70s. Go back to the 70s, you know, because that's not, the culture has shifted. See, so you've got to change with the times. <laughs> Things have got to, you've got to change a bit with the times. Back there, I had long hair and I had a headband. So, but that was okay. Everyone had long hair and a headband in those days. So that was, it, it all changed. Now, now you notice, you notice in his speaking to the religious leaders, and you read it in Acts chapter 6, and uh, verse 14, here's what they're worried about. We've heard that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs which Moses gave us. You hear why they're upset? They're upset because Jesus is planning to change what we've been using and holding on to for such a long time. And so when, when Stephen said, you are resisting the Holy Ghost, he's really saying, you are holding on to things God's no longer using. And you're resisting what God is wanting to do to bring his word to the world. See, that's what they got upset with. They got really upset by that. I can remember when people got upset with drums in church. It was a huge debate. They're off the devil. Rock and roll, it'll take the church to hell. This is all just nonsense. However, it's what happened, isn't it, right? So this is always the difference. Now, you think about Jesus' first message. 
Think about Jesus first. Jesus going to synagogue. This is the first message. He went out, and you know what the first thing they said? What a lovely speaker he is. He's absolutely wonderful. And they began to marvel at the gracious words. And so Jesus pointed out an inconvenient truth. God actually is interested in the world, not just the Jews. Now, the sweet people who thought he was so nice rose up and wanted to kill him because he wanted to change their worldview of what God is like. They had a narrow view that God just works with us. And he's saying, actually, even your own history tells you God works outside that. So you've got to understand God's bigger than you think. Will you change? And instead, they wanted to kill him, so they dragged him up and wanted to throw him. Same nice people come to church, just like you all dressed up, right a little late, right there, a little Bible, you know, go through the service, and then they end up the service, and the whole crowd are out there dragging this man of God right to the top of the mountain to kill him. See, that, that's what it means to resist the Holy Ghost. It's to hold so strong onto what you're accustomed to that you don't see what God is doing. You don't have his perspective. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to give us God's perspective. A lot of marriages are in trouble because you just keep doing the same old dumb things you've been doing, getting the same results. What if you were to say, instead of they need to change, what if, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to see this and handle this? And you let go your customs or your habits or traditions and ways and begin to let God show you how to build it differently for the future. That would make a big difference, isn't it? That's how I work with couples. Start off with each one and let's see what you're bringing in and what can you do to change. Because if you change and they change, then you'll be seeing life differently. Think about Peter. Peter, the great apostle, walked with Jesus three years. And so he's there and he's in a prayer, prayer time. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, come. And suddenly he's in a trance and the Holy Ghost speaks to him and said, arise, eat. And his first response, no. Oh, no, Lord, no, no. No, I've never eaten those kind of things before. In other words, he's in such a mindset about how God operates that when God says something different, his first response is, no, that can't be right. God told him to go. And even when he gets to the Gentiles, you know what he says? You know the first thing he says? Now, this is the, this is the beginning of the spread of the gospel to the Gentile world, and he's the man who's about the first one to open the door for the gospel to come. And you know what he can say, what his message was? Us Jews, it's not lawful to eat with you people. In other words, he's got a total mental block. He's only there because he has to. He's quite reluctant. But he did go there, and he preached his message, and in the middle, the Holy Spirit fell, and he was astonished. They said they were astonished. Why were they? Because he was still in a mindset that God didn't work that way. See, God's got many things to astonish us, but you won't be astonished. You'll fight it if you don't open to the Holy Spirit to let him do it. What if he wants to do things so differently in the future? What if he wants to work through you differently, and instead of coming and sitting in a seat week after week and going home and forgetting about things, God wanted to use you to change the community? What if God wanted to bring creative ideas that you could originate? So instead of actually someone having to tell you what to do and set a program up and keep it going, you got some initiative and did something for God. Well, that would be a bit radical. We haven't really done that before. You understand? But that's the very thing that God's doing now. That is the very thing that God is on now. God is moving emphasis away from strong ministries and onto strong people. He's moving away from gifted ministries to gifted people. He's moving away from highly anointed people 
to just replace them to do what they should do, which is equip others to be highly anointed and do things. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's why church needs to change in leadership. That's what God spoke to me. He just, when he spoke to me about the change, he just, re, he just spoke to me firstly about what he had called me to do with my life. And all that's changing is how I do it and where I do it. And so you've got to be willing to let go of old things. <laughs> Instead of doing what the Jews did, you know what they did? When, Pete, when, when Stephen was speaking to them, it said, they blocked their ears. No, 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 we're not hearing this. No, 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 I don't want you to teach me that thing. And they began to shout. Ah! It said that. They blocked their ears and they shouted. And they went further. They ran on him and bit him. Now, these are church people, by the way. Have you ever been bitten by church people? Well, maybe not with their teeth, but their words have bitten you, I'm sure. Words of criticism and negativity and gossip. Resisting the Holy Ghost, who's, by the way, grieved by all those kind of things. Okay. Oh, we... Get all quiet on this. Let me just give you another verse now. Have another verse. Look at this. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And here it is in verse uh, 1. Now, writer is saying, he said, now, he said, uh, we need to be mature, not babies. Now, you're not mature because you've been to church for a lot of years. That does not make you mature. That can make you very religious. And stuck in traditions and customs. What makes you mature is when you take responsibility to grow in God and exercise the gifts and the anointings God has given you. That's what changes you. See? Not listening to what someone else did, but doing something yourself. So what he says is this. So he said, now, I don't want you to be babes. You're all babes because you haven't exercised enough. You need to get and do something. And now look what he says in verse 1. Now, leaving the discussion of the elementary or foundational principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance, dead works, faith towards God, etc. Verse 3, and this we will do if God will permit. Now, notice what he's talking about are foundations or first principles of Christ. The word Christ there is anointing or anointed one. So what he's saying is, I want to draw your attention back to something really straightforward it's the foundation of living in Christ or living in the Spirit. And so he lays it out. I just want to touch two of them right now. I'm not going to go into this. I just want to show you how they're relevant to what we're talking about. Notice he said, the first one is repentance from dead works. Did he say repentance from sin? Dead works. Ah, so what does that mean? If that's foundational to my walking into maturity... What on earth is repenting from dead works mean? And then it's accompanied with and connected with faith towards God. Now, as soon as we use the word repent, people got all kinds of thinking on their minds. So perhaps I'll just take it this way. Repenting from dead works. First of all, what are dead works? Dead works are things that produce no life. They're activities that are not life-producing. And they're not life-producing for two reasons, mostly. One, because the motivation in doing it is wrong. Not love. It's duty. I have to. I need to. I must do that kind of stuff. Or it's something you're doing that God is no longer on. So it says repent. Repent means to stop thinking that that's doing any good. 
It means to have a change of perspective so you begin to see it like God sees it and you change and align with how he's doing stuff. Okay? And so it's company with faith towards God. In other words, trust when the Holy Spirit shows you something's no longer life-giving that you stop doing it or change your attitude in it and towards it. So foundational to working with God is that our lives are full of life and that we're not filled our lives with things which are dead and empty and non-productive. That we are focused on finding what God wants me to do and doing it. That the things that are not got life on them, I begin to change my attitude in it and see what God is saying about it. Ooh, getting very quiet now. That's foundational, by the way. If you want to live in the Christ, you want to live in the Spirit, you've got to ensure that you look at what you're doing and how you're doing it and see whether the life of God is on it. If the life of God's not on it, you've got to ask the question, why not? Why? Because I want to choose that foundational to my way of living is getting God's perspective on stuff and changing to come into agreement with it because that's how the kingdom comes to me. That's how I experience the things of God when I align with how he thinks. That's why Jesus' message was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, most of us, you think of it like this, whoa, 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 repent. You know, you think of it like that sort of heavy thing. He's saying, he's saying this, he's saying, the way you live in your life is actually not working. It's not life-giving. It's not fruit-producing. He said, get to see what God's perspective is and have a change, and then the kingdom will start to manifest in your life. Align your life with how God sees it. And that's foundational to living in the Spirit. Oh, you got so quiet. Tell someone next to you. He's talking to you. Talking to you. It has to be you. It couldn't be me. <laughs> no, no, so I'll just give you a simple example. In, in Moses' day, you know how people got healed? Do you know how people got healed? He made a brass serpent, put it on a pole. Anyone got any serpent bite, and God healed them. Isn't that fantastic? Hundreds of years later, there's no healing power. It's just a thing, but they're still worshiping this thing. And, Mo, and this guy, Hezekiah, came. And you imagine this. You've got something that Moses made, and we've handed it down carefully for generation after generation after generation after generation. Here it is. This is the serpent that Moses made. Thousands were healed when they looked at it. And Hezekiah said, smash the thing. He said, smash it, and they smashed it down, broke it up into bits, melted it down, and it never existed again. Now, I wonder what other things God wants to smash down and melt. I want you to understand this. Some things don't change, but some things do. Here's the deal. God never stops healing people. God is still the healer. But the way he goes about doing it changes. So in other words, God the healer, that truth always stays there. But how he goes about doing it and the way he works, that's what changes. So Moses, so, so Hezekiah looked and he said, this is all part of idolatry. You've got into this tradition. You're worshiping this brass thing as though that brass thing gave you life. It won't give you life. Only God can give you life. So God doesn't change but the forms and ways he moves does change. Now, if you're around in the 70s, one or two people here, what was all the music about? 
This is the day. This is the day. Tambourines, all kinds of things going. I remember playing one myself. It's ridiculous when you look back now. And it was all scripture and song. And scripture and song broke into the world. And some people said, it's of the devil. Others said, this is great. We feel the life of God on it, embraced it. And there was this great worldwide movement in worship all around scriptures and song. Man, I learned so many scriptures by singing them. Where's all that now? It's all changed. You know, society's moved on. They were, that was Abba days down there. Abba's sort of gone. There's other things happening now, you know. Everything has to change. And so the forms and the ways we do things have to shift while God stays the same. Our dilemma as a church is we want to hold on to the things which God is no longer wanting to use. And so instead of staying in a river, we end up in a trickle preserving something that God, well, we were blessed. Now, of course, I'm looking around the age of the congregation, and there'll be some songs you really love. Because every time we play that song, you remember back there how God used that to touch your life. And so it's very precious. But that doesn't mean, if you keep singing How Great Thou Art, that this generation are going to really celebrate that song. You, for you, it may be special and tender, and certainly it is. But however, for a younger generation, they say, how great thou art. What thou? Where did that language come from? And you, you didn't even think about that. That's 18th century King James. But we would love to keep singing it. It's such a beautiful song. And we have memories with it. In other words, we're stuck on our tradition and can't move forward. Oh, I don't like these new things. No, but what if God is using them to touch a younger generation? What if God is working differently now? And so whether it be house groups, whether it be small groups, whatever, the, whether it be worship stars, whatever it is, ask the question, is God still on this? Is he moving? Do we need to change things? Then stand behind leadership that says we need to make changes. Oh, I never did it that way before. Now did another style. Well, that's, that's resisting the Holy Ghost. That's what it looks like. See, we need to be open to change, not just change for its sake, but it takes faith to find what God is on and then begin to introduce it and make the changes. And my prayer, see, I see how desperately the church needs to change. But I'm not sure what it'll all look like. All over the world, everywhere I travel, people are aware the church needs to change, but they're not sure what it'll look like. But I can see some things becoming really clear. And so one of the things that will need to change is leadership style and its approach to ministry. A second thing that will need to change is how the people of God see themselves in God's plan and their active participation in it. Otherwise, church on Sunday... And nothing matched Monday through the rest of the week. I was raised that way, by the way. Didn't do me any good. See, you, you've got to let God do these things. So we want to cultivate awareness of the Holy Spirit. Cultivate sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. A love for the Spirit of God. Because only by a love for Him and sensitivity to Him that you will be in a place where you know what He's wanting to do and start to work with Him to do it. I love the Holy Spirit. He is with us. 
I see I've run out of time now, so I can't get on to the, where I wanted to go, which is on just showing you how to increase your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I'll just have to do it another Sunday. But can we see then that unconsciously, by holding on to things God is no longer using or which now are not effective, we can find ourselves resisting God all the time, thinking we're preserving something. God does not change, but how he moves does change. So let's as a church be willing to welcome the Holy Spirit, celebrate a season when God will start to bring about change. Not change for change's sake, but in order the church can do what it needs to do, reach the poor, the needy, the broken, the oppressed. It's quite interesting uh, when the communist revolution took place in the 19, early 1900s. And the Orthodox Church there had a grand meeting, and it coincided with the very time when Russia entered revolution. And do you know what the discussion, the heated discussion was about, that the church was preoccupied with it? And this is what it was. Should we wear robes when we take a service or not? And while the church is debating about robes and what kind of robes, the whole nation is going into revolution. And the church has become obsolete and irrelevant. Our nation and the nations of the West have on, as a whole abandoned Christian values and beliefs. Therefore, the culture you're living in now is different to the one you were raised in. And different expressions of God are needed to enter that culture. And I believe it starts for us by saying, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome to come into my life and show me where I'm resisting you, where I've been fighting against you, where I've got attitudes that stop you moving, where I'm holding on to things which you're wanting me to change. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment and we're just going to finish and stand, just make the Holy Spirit welcome again. And as we stand and make him welcome, I'd like, him to, I'd like us to, as a church, it's like a prayer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We know we're entering a season of shift in leadership and with that shifts and all kinds of things. But we welcome your spirit to help us do this, to have courage to see the future and to move into it and make the changes necessary. So here's the question. What has the Holy Spirit been saying to you personally just during this time? Is there any area you are resisting the Holy Spirit? something he wants you to change, something he wants you to let go of, something you've valued or you're holding on to. And when you think about it, it's got no life in it. It's holding you back. What will you do about what God is saying to you? What will you do? Holy Spirit. Right now, I'm looking at the ways I minister and how I do what I do and just re-looking at it all and saying, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Help me to change, not to hold on to old ways and old styles, but to see how you're moving and just work with you in it. Can you open your eyes for a moment? Brett, you're near me. Why don't you just come and stand here? 
Just stand over there. That's an idea. But just, you know, I was raised and had, you know, quite a number of years moving in very strong power ministry. I began to see how God is working very differently now. Same power, same God, but just a different way of working. Something that you could all do because God wants the power accessible to everyone. He wants you to be a channel of his power. So if someone seems highly anointed and it seems like you couldn't possibly do that, then you will just push it away and say, well, that's how things happen, but it wouldn't happen to me or God wouldn't use me that way. If what if God wanted to change all of that? So instead of looking at Benny Hinn and all that he does and, 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 and saying, well, I could never do that, instead of that you started to see God you're wanting to change ministry styles. And in, in your future and the future of the church, everyone is a minister. And everyone is used by the Holy Spirit. What would that look like? Well, it won't look like old ministry ways. It'll look a little different. It'll look something like this, something really easy. Can I just take your hand? Just give me one hand. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I just begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit is in me. He lives in me. He's a river dwelling in me. I'm not looking for God to come down from heaven. I'm confident God is with me. In other words, I've centered in the truth that the Spirit of God dwells in me. I am a temple for Him, just as you are a temple for Him too. Therefore, I don't have to strive or struggle. Just believe God could work through me. And if He did, it would be just very gentle, just a flow of His power without even doing very much. Just like that. Now, you look at it and you say, whoa. What I've done is just remove mystery from it. God wants to work through you that way. How about that? Brett, just stand one more time. Now, why don't you come up, Kyra? Come on up. Come on up. I'll just help you. Okay? I'm not going to pray for you. Just turn around face Face Brett. Okay? Now, I want you just to take... Brett's hand. Just take his hand. Okay, now just close your eyes. And I want you just to be aware the Spirit of God is in you. And just as you let your heart open to Him in love, He's going to flow through you. And not, you, you're taking it for yourself. Give it to Him. Just reach out and give it to Him. Give what you have to Him. <laughs> you're, you're wanting to get it all for yourself because I'm standing next to you. <laughs> Okay, now you know the Holy Spirit is in you? Okay, then just begin to think of Brent and just release God's love to him right now. Why don't we just stand? Let's just finish now. You may be here today and you haven't become a Christian. You've never opened your heart for God to come in. This would be a great day to do that, to invite the Spirit of God in. And while you lift your hands now, just, just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. 
I give my life to you today. Holy Spirit, come in and fill me. And if it happens to you, you say that little prayer, you can come up afterwards and I'd love to stand with you and pray with you. Come on, church, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You're welcome in Bay City. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome into the leadership, the worship team, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, every aspect of all and whatever we do, we welcome you to come and to begin to move us and transform us for the season ahead that we will have impact in Hastings and Napier and be able to make and touch the community in a different way. one more time now we say as you begin to pray Holy Spirit you are welcome here put your hand on your heart and the here is not the room we're in not the building we're in it's your life Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place that's my life fill the atmosphere of my life so there's a joy so there's there's peace so so your life blows out your glory the glory of God's already in you Christ in you. The spirit of glory is already in you. What's needed is not God to come down, but for more of him to be released through you. Let's just pray that one more time. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And just begin to consciously yield. Let God's spirit touch you. 